Welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, a bi-weekly look at all things related to the growing elite clubs nationally, the ECNL. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. Now, here's your host for Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, former U.S. soccer press officer and longtime soccer broadcaster, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, and as the host of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, I also get to serve as executive producer and hand over the microphone to talented people like Jason Cutney, the ECNL boys commissioner, who has some amazing guests on this week's show. This is Juan Martinez, Executive Director and President of DKSC. This is Edvaldo Pedro, ECNL Director for DKSC. And this is the U15 Boys ECNL National Championship Defeaters Kick Soccer Club team that we're talking with today. And the two leaders that really make everything work there, along with Hugh Radford, an amazing staff that they have. We'll talk all about the U15 team that won it all this year, about the early goings of DKSC, how it all came together with the Allegiance FC. And we will talk about this Allegiance Academy, a brand new school offering in their area, which has certainly prompted a lot of success for this club. So join me, Jason Cutney, the ECNL Boys Commissioner, as we talk all things DKSC on this week's ECNL Breaking the Line podcast. And we will do just that, Jason Cutney, after we hear from the ECNL. As the game continues to evolve in the United States, the ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country. With a robust competition platform for teams, educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs, collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean. Once again, Dean Linky, delighted to turn over the keys to this week's Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast to the ECNL Boys Commissioner, Jason Cutney. And thank you, Dean. I'm certainly honored to be here today with two individuals who have done quite a bit with the boys ECNL and, and prior to that, the ECNL on the girls' side. A new member club for us, just uh, a couple of years old here, but Defeaters Kick Soccer Club came on this year and won the U15 Boys National Championship. And we are honored to have Juan Martinez and Pedro Advaldo here from DKSC. Juan being the executive director and president of the club and Pedro, the ECNL director. We're going to get into a lot of stuff about the backstory of DKSC, about a very unique and interesting model that they've built in that area to really kind of establish the club on the boys' side in a, a powerful way and really dive into it. But it has to start with that congratulations because winning a national championship, especially coming out of the Texas conference is not an easy feat. So Juan, Pedro, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. So Juan, we got to jump into it. How does a small club that started with, I, I believe the story goes, it started with seven girls in your backyard playing soccer. How does that club grow up in Dallas of all markets and become a national championship caliber club? The key is to get a lot of like-minded people to work as a team and roaring in the same direction, you know, starting in my backyard in 2005 to coach my daughter and my niece. I knew the landscape of North Texas soccer growing up, playing in classic league, North Texas being a hotbed. I knew I either, either had to coach them or pay somebody later to coach them. 
So I decided to coach them in my backyard as a volunteer coach for eight years. During that time, that 2001 team made a lot of noise, kind of like Pedro's 07s and 09s, but we didn't have any platforms back then to compete against. That landscape changed with DA being introduced on the girls' side in 2018, I believe. So we knew we had for the next generation because the club went from seven little girls to about 300 kids from inner city, very diverse club. So when we merged there, it was getting like-minded. Hugh Bradford, the director of coaching of the girls' side defeaters, we shared the same philosophy. So we started bringing in the boys. The boys were just as kicks operating and the girls were under defeaters as ECL. And then last year, after the third time that we've applied, we had been trying to get into ECNL boys. We finally got in. After one year of uh, being in ECNL, Pedro shared the same story when I heard how he started his 0709s, getting a whole bunch of kids, buying pizzas, taking them to the park. I knew he shared the same passion that I did, and that's to make a difference. You guys have made a difference in, in our league as well. I think, you know, it goes without saying, but you guys were one of the most patient, as to your point there before, that it was on your third attempt to, to get in on the boys' side. One of the most patient, but also one of the most humble and respectful groups that I was able to work with in that process of welcoming you guys to the ECNL on the boys' side. I can share that similar view because the club that I was running previously, the, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, we were turned away three years in a row from getting into the ECNL, and I still hold that over Christian Lavers and Doug Bracken's head all the time when I speak to them. as something that I have not yet gotten over. But the one thing that really drew me to DKSC was your story. And it was that story of how you did get into the inner city, how you, how you worked with underserved communities, how you had a huge Latino population that you were working with in the club. And to me, that resonated growing up in, in a mostly Hispanic area in New Jersey and seeing the, you know, the efforts that all good people put forth to make sure that there was a club operating for myself and the other boys in that area and girls. But I think that's where let's, let's draw the bridge there to how Pedro got involved, because I don't think too many people are familiar with that piece of this and how DKSC then worked with Pedro and his group to bring everyone together, really. So, like I mentioned with Pedro, watching him from afar from his academy teams, I tell him all the time now when I see his teams play, I say, Pedro, your teams remind me of my team so much. And it was the style of play. And we met probably about three, four years ago in my office. And, you know, Pedro had different goals. And at that time, we didn't know where our paths were going to cross with ECNL. But when we finally were accepted, you know, making sure that Pedro came in and became the boys director so he could lead the boys with Pedro sharing our same philosophy. And to me, you know, that's one of the unique things out of our club is, is that any coach that wants to come work with DKC has to share the same philosophy and that's doing it for the right reasons. Well, Pedro, I'll, I'll dovetail to you on this one because when I go through and do my normal course efforts within the league, each year I look at clubs in each league outside of the ECNL to better understand and kind of extrapolate the results in other leagues to see how they're doing and how they're performing. And over the time when we were looking at DKSC and and Juan and Hugh were continually kind of following up with us. I kept hearing about this Allegiance FC club in, in the North Texas market. And every time I looked at the North Texas U.S. youth uh, landscape, I would always see Allegiance teams doing quite well. So 
you know, that, that kind of brought you into this conversation. And, and I knew once there was a relationship there that it was going to be something that would lock up really well. But talk us through on your side, how that relationship came about with Juan and Hugh and, and DKSC. We met roughly around three, four years ago. I uh, know of DKSC. We've played against them multiple times. And it was always a joy. And then when Juan reached out and asked us to set up a meeting to discuss the possibility of us working together, that was something that certainly uh, caught my attention. We met and we discussed it. It's just that at the time, the timing, I didn't feel at the time it was correct. Given the success we were experiencing with the other teams in, in our club, we had uh, the possibility of working with literally every single club in our area, whether that was ECNL or MLS. And we took the meeting with every club and uh, met multiple times with most of them. The more I got to know Juan, I realized that, I just want to mention earlier, it's far more about relationships than it is about the business side of it. The reason I coach is primarily because of the relationships with the boys. I was a player that grew up without a family in, in DFW, and it was thanks to many people helping me that I was able to find some success. So once I got in a position, I was able to do the same for community, for, for the boys that I work with. I wanted to make sure that if I was going to go and join someone, that it was going to be a, an environment that's about relationships, about learning and growing rather than just a business. And not to say that anyone is not cultivating that, but I felt that strongly with Juan and Hugh, reason why I wanted to go and join them rather than go in a different route. Interesting. I know in, in youth soccer, there's, you know, it's, it's quite frequent that we hear about mergers and clubs working together and partnerships. And it's also quite frequent that we hear that they fall apart, right? And it's and one of the things that we always see is that if that relationship is not really intact and it's not true, a true bond that the cultures come together and the methodology aligns that often they're not just, they're not built on a strong foundation. It seems like if, since my, my, on the periphery, I'm looking in and I'm trying to understand all the clubs in, in the ECNL, what I've experienced so far with DKSC, and especially in seeing your teams through the playoffs and making that run to the national championship with the 15s, but all your ages, is that there is a common thread throughout the entirety of the club that everyone kind of aligns behind the same the same mission, the same ideology, and that's kudos to you guys and what you've built there. You know, Pedro, let's let's talk a little bit more with you on your background. Then you mentioned you know you coming up in that Dallas Fort Worth area. You're not from that area originally. Kind of you know go through this this process for us of what brought you up in club soccer, how you got involved in the game as a as a coach and as a mentor. So I started as a player. I moved here to the states back in 2005. I remember I was playing at a, a hobby fields, I believe they in Garland, and I was just out there, out there playing around for, uh, for fun. And I coach uh, for my club back then called Independiente. He showed up, invited me to train with them, and from there it all started. That was my first time actually ever putting on cleats, uniforms, and playing on grass. And it was really just for fun. Everything was going great until uh, I think a year or two later, I came across another coach from a smaller club that called Armando Pelaez, who to me is like a father. And he's someone that uh, helped me tremendously, guided me through the soccer landscape as a player, gave me opportunities uh, locally and overseas, and ended up in college. And unfortunately, things didn't go quite well in college, and I ended up just uh, moving away from playing the game. But the fortunate side of it is that I got to start coaching a lot sooner. My goal was always to play and then coach. I wasn't planning on coaching at uh, 21, but it happened and uh, it was a beautiful part of it. I got to coaching. I started coaching with, uh, at the time it was Andromeda. I spent around, uh, I think uh, six months, uh, let's say a year with Andromeda with my own eyes. I decided to walk away from that because uh, the environment was great from a business perspective, but from a personal growth, it was not quite what I was looking for. 
So then in May of 2016, I left our club and I started Allegiance. When we started Allegiance, it was just uh, 509s that went with us from Andromeda and a few 08s that went with us. I had a name, I had an idea, but no fields, no sense of direction whatsoever. Drove around the streets of Ulysses uh, and Collinville, Grapevine, Keller for multiple days throughout the week looking for fields. Eventually, the day I got you at a college, my friend told me about a church in Ulysses that had fields full of stickers and whatnot. And went out there, we met with them. They decided to give us the land and from there, Alicia started. I tell you what, Juan must be an unbelievable uh, person to work with talent because what we've seen so far is him finding the right people to work with. I think he certainly found that in you. With you stepping in and joining that club, again, from my perspective, looking from the league stance, Defeaters Kicks has been locked in and, and really done well to kind of prove themselves to be up to, at that top echelon of the clubs, not only in the Texas Conference, but now in the, in the league. Kudos to you guys there. We're going to stop here and take a quick break for some words for our, our partners with the ECNL, and then we'll be back with Breaking the Line right after this. Nike is a proud sponsor of ECNL Girls. Nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities. You can't stop sport because hashtag you can't stop our voices. Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S. at the highest levels. We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at Soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. Visit Soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. Okay, and we are back with Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Just before the break, we were talking to Juan Martinez and Pedro Edvaldo from DKSC. DKSC, of course, being the club out of Texas Conference that won the U15 Boys National Championship in ECNL this year. Pedro was giving us a little bit of his background in the game, and, and now we're going to turn back to Juan just for a, a couple minutes here to better understand, really, the club. And so DKSC, for me, and for years in the youth game, I knew as a girls' club. We talked about how that, that combining of defeaters and kicks formed this boys' side, but Juan, give us a little background here on, on, on the girls' side and the success that you've had in that club, because I think one thing that's very interesting about the club is the number of girls within your club that are represented at the Mexican youth national team level, and, and that includes your daughter as well in the U-17. So talk a little bit about that success and really what has created that pipeline for you. Yeah, I think people like saying that I'm a long-term thinker down the road, and I think with the females, I think we're just scratching the surface. The game is growing so fast just with the record crowds. And so I think that, you know, because we serve a very diverse club, we have kids from, you know, really a staff and kids from all over the, the world. Uh, Hugh, our director is from Jamaica. We have uh, Adam Flynn from England, Gerard Voltaire's from uh, France. So these are our ECNL coaches. Uh, Michael Bones was here. I was born in Mexico came here when I was two years old. So just coaching in my backyard created this sisters and brothers from inner city. And when we merged with defeaters with the platform, the people that we met approached us and it was a scout after a scout. And, you know, my daughter went to Mexico U15 national camp in 2019, her and our goalkeeper 
And from there, just uh, the relationships and us trying to open doors, because we've always say we're a player centric club. So if we see a player that's from Canada or England or Colombia and they have the level, if they're ECNL, RL, and they have the level for that country, we immediately pick up the phone. We, we don't wait to open those doors because we feel that those opportunities could be life-changing. Plus, we love it when they come back and their nutrition is great, their mental, their mindset. We currently have a, a 22 graduate, Angela Barone, that's on the U-20 Colombian national team, and she was pushed up to the women's, and so the women qualified for the World Cup. So when we see that she was with us here, is about to go to college, and now she's going to go to the Women's World Cup. Those are the things that we constantly try to duplicate because, to me, I think uh, we sacrifice as a club for the player. When these players get called up, the coaches, they might miss them for a game. They might miss them for playoffs, but they understand that we're here to serve those individual players and those opportunities we can't take away. So I think that's helped us grow the relationships because they know that we're here. We're constantly communicating with the national teams' reports. What do you see? What's your playing style? That way we're able to prepare them when they go into that environment. The audience of, of our podcast, as we've looked at the, the numbers since the inception of this program, is, has been a lot of directors of coaching, right? And so there's a lot of DOCs listening to this. I think one thing that stands out again is, and you just mentioned the, the, the word service quite a bit, but the Feeders Kicks do is, does a lot of work in the underserved communities of Dallas, Fort Worth. Talk about that a little bit. How, how do you do that? Be as specific as you can, but what do you do to kind of tap into that market to support those players that maybe don't have the resources that they would otherwise need to compete in a league like the ECNL? In our community, it's like when people say that, I guess Latinos multiply, it's true. It's like as soon as they're born, they're 22s, 21s, 20. We already know, okay, they're going to be DKC. And when we start them out when they're four years old, five years old, we have, uh, I guess, a philosophy of, of uh, make it as fun as possible for them so they could fall in love, you know, while they learn. Uh, and winning comes as a by- byproduct. But uh, for Academy, we treat Academy as, as not really a, a business revenue stream. We basically provide fields for all our academy. I always tell the select coaches, our academy coaches are the most important coaches in our group. That's the future. So we really, really provide resources for them from good facilities that practice. They they have their own practice facilities. While select trains somewhere else, we want to build a culture. That way then it becomes where these academy teams could train and pull because I feel in today's landscape in, in, in U.S. with different tiers, different platforms, ECNL, regional league, you have other leagues, whether it's GA or USYC or MLS. I feel that teams like Pedro staying together from four years old or my team with the old ones, it's very, very difficult because all the kids develop differently, different times. They have different goals. They could be multi-sports athletes. We encourage them to play other sports. Um, we don't try to force them in there, but the ones that are really more competitive, we try to start grouping them together. So I think that really, really uh, helps our culture and really not making uh, making it about finance money. So our academy, we usually use everything that we collect. We just use it to, to pay for facilities and the coaches. Uh, most of our coaches 
are kind of starting out like Pedro and myself. We're players. Uh, I coach because my daughter and my niece. Uh, Pedro had a calling to serve kids and make an impact. So a lot of coaches in our academy, that's what you have a lot of people that are passionate. And then what we do with our upper staff, our senior staff, is provide training, coaching, education for them uh, so they could get their grassroots licenses and, you know, because they, they want to learn, you know, but we're kind of like, you know, when they run a session, it's kind of like for four or five years old, we don't want them to stand in line. You know, we want them to be movement and have fun. So I think that's that's the difference of, of creating not just, you know, if you go for academy. Well, I think, uh, you know, we'll get to the meat of this next topic, because for me, one thing that really stood out, and it was kind of a storyline that was unearthed for watching this U15 team make a run to the national championship this year. But I knew about DKSC forming the relationship with Allegiance. I knew about Pedro stepping in and, and having that all melded together into a successful run for the team. But I didn't know the backstory. I didn't know and I didn't really understand why these players were so aligned on the field, why, where that synergy came from. I sat down and spoke to Juan when we were maybe in St. Louis at the time, Juan, or, or possibly San Diego. I can't remember at this point. I'm getting too old. But the discussion was more about the Allegiance Academy. And I didn't realize at that time that what, what Juan was talking about was, was an actual school. And so I was blown away. And, and this, I think, is a humongous story that needs to be told in this country because when we think about academies and residency programs, oftentimes we just go immediately to the pro club, right? We assume that it's the pro club that's doing this. We don't always understand that the youth clubs that are really at the grassroots level doing such amazing work in this country, that there's one of these clubs in Dallas, Fort Worth, that has built its own nonprofit a school. It's got a school for all these players. And so Pedro's group, that U15 team that went on and won a national championship, I believe all those boys attended this school. It was a school that was founded in August, 2021, called the Allegiance Academy, but I'll turn it over to you, Pedro, kind of bring us up to speed on the Allegiance Academy, the grades that it serves right now, the number of, uh, of students in each class, just uh, help us understand, because this is truly a remarkable thing that, is, that has been accomplished and built in, in Dallas for the DKSC program. And yeah, the Allegiance Academy, where do I even start? That, that has been a blessing for us. So the school started uh, last year, August of 2021. We are entering, uh, we start classes again in August, 15 for our second year. So far, we have we are doing a sixth to tenth grade for this season, and the reason for that is because we want the all sevens to be the first graduating class from from Allegiance Academy. So this upcoming school year, sixth to tenth grade. The following year, sixth to eleventh, and then sixth to twelfth. So we should have sixth to twelfth whenever the all sevens become seniors, and from that point on, we'll, we'll remain sixth to twelfth indefinitely. The school. Uh, so far we have, uh, for this year, actually we don't have an exact number yet because our numbers grew significantly once we got back from the national championship. But we're anticipating anywhere between say 90 to 120 students for the upcoming school year starting on August 15th from sixth to 10th grade. And uh, luckily for us, the entire all seven team with the exception of the two goalkeepers, all of those boys attend the school they there they spend literally 12 hours together every single day and that has been phenomenal for us so really i mean it, it was amazing to hear about this I, I think still this concept of building something like that where you know the, the bricks and mortar side of it where you actually have all these players coming together playing together going to school together eating food you know meals together every day 
But talk to us about that. What, what does a typical day look like for a student at Allegiance Academy that's playing for DKSC right now? So give an example with your sevens, uh, their group that go last year, there were eighth and ninth graders. They typically get, get to school at about seven, seven o'clock in the morning. They had training from 7.30 until 9.30. From there, they'll stretch, take a shower, go eat breakfast, and then start classes at about 10 o'clock. From 10, from 10 to one, they'll be in a classroom, get out of one, have lunch from one to 1.30, and then go back to classes again and have class until 3.45. At 3.45, they'll get out, go to the locker room exchange, we'll give them a snack, and then head straight to the fields where we'll have practice on the outdoors. So the old sevens will go and have practice from 4 to 5.30. From 5.30 to 6, they'll have an agility session, strength and agility, and then from 6 to 6.30, work on flexibility, and they're able to go home at about 6.30 every single day. Now, for the rest of the boys that are not part of the old sevens, they'll have the same schedule, except from 4 to 5, they'll have a different session. So they'll have a session where they're working on the weak foots and also some agility and uh, strength sessions. The meals themselves, because to me, this is one thing that really stood out. I, I, in Pittsburgh a few years back, did an inner city program for schools where I went in and, and led a gym class program and basically worked with all students, all ages uh, through the course of weeks. One thing that stood out to me was just the, the meals, the part of the, you know, the, the, the urgency of getting meals to these many of these students that in, in many cases didn't have the option to eat over the weekend like they would during a normal school week because of the meals being provided in school. These meals at Allegiance Academy are all part of this program, right? So all these students are eating meals, the breakfast, the lunch. This is part of that, uh, that school program. Is that correct? Absolutely. So we just became a, uh, just, just sort of throwing up, we just became a fully accredited school from 6th to 12th grade. And uh, in addition, uh, we have a private chef on staff. He's there typically uh, from, I think, 6 in the morning up until 3.45. And the boys are able to request what they want to eat. Sometimes kids want to eat chicken. Sometimes they want to eat a steak and they eat like they're eating a fine restaurant. And everything is included on a, a one package from the electronics to the meals, to the strength and conditioning, to the physical therapist and everything is all in one. They don't have to pay for anything additional. Jason, just just to to jump on here, you know, when, when Pedro started this school, I didn't know what grades. Uh, so that was during the merger and Pedro talking to different clubs and he told me about this school I immediately was like this is a game changer and to have a, a an official school of DKC my daughter between her call-ups from Mexico uh, is homeschool so she's not she's a sophomore so she is not able to attend federal school because last year was freshman and her being in and out of camps I started taking her to the school and the first time I went there, I was blown away. I was like, there's two indoor fields, the cafeteria, you know, I even saw one, one time somebody doing massages, you know, masseuse. I was like, and this is a real deal. Like, and that's where all these athletes training from the morning to afternoon and getting to know each other. The biggest thing that I see the benefit is the chemistry. You know, they're like brothers when they see it uh, on the bench, you know, they just spend so much time, so. Well, I, I haven't grown up with a brother three years older than me. I fought a lot more than I saw the boys on your team fight amongst each other uh, on the side. I did fight for each other, which was good, but we'll, we'll take it to a break now. We're here breaking the line of ECNL podcast with Juan Martinez. 
Pedro Advaldo from DKSC in Texas. We'll be right back after this. The ECNL is pleased to announce Quick Goal as the official goal provider and partner for ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys, a new partnership created to support the growth and development of the country's top players, clubs, and coaches. At all national events, including national playoffs and national finals, the Quick Goal Coaches Corner will provide hospitality and social space for ECNL girls, ECNL boys, and collegiate coaches. Quick Goal will also be the presenting sponsor of the National championship winning ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys Coaches of the Year and the ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys Goals of the Year. Quick Goal looks forward to helping the ECNL continue to elevate the standards of youth soccer and provide more opportunities to players on and off the field in the coming years. ECNL Boys is partnering with Puma for the second year, driving sport forward with the leading products and the next generation of pros who wear them. Puma has proven themselves as the fastest sports brand in the world, the fastest innovation, the fastest players, and the fastest products in the game. They're the perfect partner to complement the speed and talent of our teams. In keeping with their mantra of forever faster, Puma introduces the world's fastest boot, the Ultra. The only boot engineered for speed, the Ultra combines a woven upper with a lightweight outsole for direct forward motion, speed and acceleration. It's the best in the game, designed for the best players in the game. From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade the studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL. Okay, and we are back for our final segment here of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We are with Juan Martinez and Pedro Advaldo of DKSC. We started talking just before the break about the Allegiance Academy, which is a nonprofit school. It was founded in August of 2021 for grades 6 through 10. They're growing that program out now over the next few years so that the oldest age group, the uh, just so happens to be the national championship winning U15 boys group, that group will be their first graduating class from the Allegiance Academy in just a few years' time. And we started hearing a little bit more about what that day entails at the Allegiance Academy. And Juan, just before the break, touched on the fact that his daughter, who is a member of the U17 Mexican national team, is now going to have the, the ability to reap the rewards of having a program like that in the Dallas area. So I want to touch on that first here, Juan. With, on the girls' side, I know primarily when this, when this program was formed at the Allegiance Academy, was primarily with the, the boys' side. Now, this is going to be kind of reversing course in some ways, or at least opening up the, the opportunities for the girls. Talk to us about that, because that, I think that's, with, as you touched on earlier, with the growth of the game, what we just saw over the weekend with the European Championships and the attendance at those games and just the, the general fervor around the game. Talk to us about the opportunities that will be there for the girls with respect to Allegiance Academy. Yeah, I mean, uh, I always say is like I don't like advertising for anything that I don't strongly believe is 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 quality and good. Uh, so when I saw it firsthand, I immediately started talking to some of the players that are at that level that could benefit. You know, not everybody dreams to be pro, but that reality is is happening. You know, we see it with Jaden Shaw making her debut from North Texas. She played with multiple multiple teams growing up. She actually played with all five boys for a year um, in academy just so she could get a faster pace. Uh, she did city futsal. So 
this school, I feel it's it's for that athlete. The elite athlete has dreams to play pro one day. So we're trying to get our elite athletes to join, to register. Uh, it's a big sacrifice because it's the school and, you know, giving up prom and giving up high school football games. Girls are more social creatures. Uh, but we are trying to get more girls currently right now. I believe there's a couple of girls already uh, that are in the school. Last year being the first year, uh, only taking students to ninth grade, limited some players that were interested. But we're hoping that each year we add more and more girls that then it becomes, this is our ECNL team training here, just like the boys. Well, I think it's important to mention here that as, as Pedro said before, they just received their accreditation for this, this school. I mean, when you think of this school and you think in, in many cases, if you think of schools associated with soccer programs, you don't always think of what they offer here. I mean, you got, you got the language arts, the math, the science, the social studies, history, all those, but you also have Spanish, you have Portuguese, you have computer science. They're teaching art, guitar, piano. I think you recently have a, it's a partnership with a local community college as well to offer dual credit classes. Pedro, if you can talk a little bit about, about that, because you know, Pedro, you have a big role in this school as well. You're the athletic director. You're also the head coach of the, the school program. But talk to us about all that goes on outside of the game of soccer with respect to Allegiance Academy. That is something that's extremely important for us because we have to understand that uh, while we would love for all of our players to go and play professionally, the reality is the vast majority will not. And we had to focus on providing them with opportunity. And that starts with college. And as we all know, college are not looking for good players that can study. They are looking for good students that can play. So then with that in mind, we make sure that our academic department is just as strong, if not stronger than our athletic department. The reason why we started focusing on offering more advanced classes as well as a partnership with the community college. That way, that way our students can take uh, classes that are at the level and even have the possibility of earning an associate degree before they graduate high school. That way, when they get to college, they already have a lot more credits and they are ready to take on the college environment. Our academic department is extremely strong. We have a rule with our, even with our 07 team, the national championship team, where the boys know if the grades fall below an 85, they don't get to play. While that might mean we'll lose a game here or there, they also have to be on the same page knowing that if we don't, focus 100% in the classroom as well as in the field, we might struggle later on. So it's extremely important for us that our, our students are great players as well as great students. Well, it's truly amazing. I mean, what you guys have built there, and, and you know, I, I don't say this lightly, we as a league, from an ECNL perspective, we do our best to go and vet clubs, right? And to try to find the right clubs we don't have the magic, the magic eight ball, right? We don't, I don't always understand exactly what the club's gonna look like a year after we accept them. And going through that process is very difficult because of the number of clubs and the number of leagues in this country. In many cases, we try to find the people that we believe have the head on the shoulders, the alignment of methodology, and all the nuts and bolts. This was one of those nuts and bolts that we didn't know about. Right? This came about after the fact that we saw your success, and now we're understanding what is really prompting that success on your end. But we also look for clubs that are going to help raise the profile of the league and help improve and enhance what we're doing. And I think you guys have certainly done that. When you look at the league and the, you know, entering in on the girls side first one and now entering on the boys side, I guess the key question is, was it worth the wait on the boys side? Definitely, definitely was, was worth the wait. I think the first year that we applied, uh, I submitted the application. It was like, I don't know if we're ready. I think we are. I have faith, he goes, but I don't know if we're ready. And, and really, 
you remember after the first year, it's like, okay, there's always next year. Let's see what we need. He goes, what is, what are the reasons? And, and let's start climbing that mountain to see what we need. And we added a team here and, and we made real big improvements with our, 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 our younger teams, our academy. And that's when I started talking to Pedro. And then the third year, you know, we were able to get in. And so to me, it's definitely, definitely worth it. I think the league does an amazing job of the exposure. Uh, so, you know, I think it's going to change the trajectory for our boys. Pedro, how about you? I mean, you, you come at this from the Allegiant side of things first before merging up with DKSC and, and now coming into the ECNL. What's the biggest difference that you've experienced in terms of the competitive opportunities within the league for these players that you've worked with for many, many years? When we jumped into with DKSC and joined the ECNL, ECNL League, I had absolutely no idea what the level was going to be like. We've played some ECNL teams here and there, and actually we had the advantage because we've been together for so long and spent so much time together. But after going through the first season, I must say that the entire team, the families, the players, and myself, we are all exceptionally, exceptionally happy with the league. The competition has been significantly better than we even imagined it would be. It's been a blessing, really, and I'm looking forward to year two. I'm sure we're going into that year two. We are going to be bullied all over the field because everybody wants to be the champion. I know I would if you were on the other side. So the competition has been special, and I really, really want to say thank you for the events. The events is something. I went to events that my teams weren't even playing. I just wanted to be a part of that. It was it was great, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure it's going to, it's going to continue to get better. The playoffs in San Diego, the competition were great. The atmosphere was great. It was truly a special place to be. Well, as I mentioned before, you, you know, the, the league is built basically on the quality of the clubs that we have in the league, right? And so we're an extension of that quality. You guys have certainly uh, got a, a banner year this year on the boys' side. I expect that will continue, and, and I'm sure that the, the interest level in the Allegiance Academy will grow uh, exponentially, especially at that age group that just won a national championship. And, and now you have the ability to, to raise that one banner in the rafters of the school so that all the other age groups can look up at that every single day and wonder why they're not up there, right? So you have that, that motivation that you can spread through the entirety of the club. But again, from, from my end, if we look at something like this as a very unique story, I've been around the game my entire life. I don't come across stories like this too often. Right. And, and I say that genuinely, you guys have certainly built something here that's very special. It needs much more national attention to be brought to Allegiance Academy and all that you have going on, because this is truly a remarkable story for youth soccer and in general for the boys and the girls in that Dallas Fort Worth area. But it will spread well beyond that, I'm sure. I want to thank you guys. I want to congratulate you guys as well on, on the year, not just the U15 National Championship team, but You've competed very, very well in a very tough conference on both the boys and the girls' side in, in the top league in the country. Certainly for us to have you guys on board, even though it took a few years to get you there, it was certainly well worth it on our side as well. And so I thank you, Juan. I thank you, Pedro, for your time. Pedro, for the listeners that don't know, he's actually in Portugal right now taking this call. So certainly appreciate that as well. But thank you guys so much for being part of Breaking the Line this week. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Indeed. Thank you, Jason. And thank you, Juan and Pedro. What a great story we bring to you again this week as part of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. I also want to thank Andrea Wheeler and her great crew, Christian Labors, Jen Winnego, Doug Bracken, for each and every one of them and all of you, as well as our producer, Colin Thrash. I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you in two weeks for another edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. 
For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at info at theecnl.com. Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast is an ECNL production. ECNL, more than a league.